Hola, soy Miguel Maltos Gonzalez, coming back on Firme, the personal podcast discussing Chicanoism in the Pacific Northwest. And before, actually, I've touched a little bit about what, how different it is here, being up in this region, versus where I come from in Central Texas. And to, to go back on a little trip to Texas, some of the things that that I experienced there, I, I had no idea that they were preparing me for coming to this white space. I had no idea that everything I did in the arts for 20 years as a photographer, as a Chicano, as a collaborator, as somebody that would see a deficiency and think, wow, there's a gap there. We need to we need to fill that gap. Seeing that and, and, and growing up in that environment with my my parents and with other artists that had similar vision because we're all, you know, we all have a little different background to us. That's what the world's about, <laughs> being a little different and coming together. So, yeah, it, I had no idea that it was it was building me up and preparing me for being in this space. It prepared me in the way that I was able to, to take my medium and study it and think back on how can I convey my message effectively? How can I put my Chicanoism into my work in a way that I don't need to explain it? How can I put it together and present it and then when I do have to explain and talk about it and get get deeper into the image and the symbolism and, and what it's and the story it's telling, how can I better illustrate that with words to somebody that's not familiar with biculturalism, Chicanoism, that's not familiar with growing up speaking two languages in a household, one of which society uh, sadly you know, looks down upon in some ways. You know, it's it prepared me for that by having conversations with other Chicano artists, by working on my my, photo, my photographs at Gaista Art Complex amongst the, the other Chicano painters that we had talks all the time. You know, we're always hanging out in each other's studio. We, you know, would sit there and watch the other work and have a beer and we just talk about stuff. And then we'd take a break and we're like, you know, I'm getting hungry, man. And say, yeah, me too. So then we'd go for a little walk down the street, maybe, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half. And we'd, we'd walk down the street and we'd just keep talking about stuff, whatever's going on, right? Talk about our work, talk about our family and, and just how things are connected. 
and we'd make it down to Cocinita de Picnic, <laughs> grab a couple of tacos, and eat them on the way back, wash it down with a big red, and we'd be recharged, be ready to work some more. That was uh, routine <laughs> in, in being in the neighborhood where we were. The Arts District in San Antonio is on the south side of downtown. It is the bridge between Central, downtown, and the south side. San Antonio, the way it's built, it's not like a grid system. It's not thought out in that way. It's, it, it, it is in some neighborhoods. <laughs> But then in other neighborhoods, it's like, you know, it's like a spider web. It just There's like a, a roundabout and then like a whole bunch of streets that just go out and then it hits another, you know, roundabout. And then those streets spider, spider out. <laughs> they kind of spider web out. And, you know, it's, it's shaped so weird. It's like you can drive in a neighborhood that, that is gridded and then... You cross the street, and all of a sudden, it's like macaroni, man. It just goes everywhere. <laughs> but, I mean, San Antonio is a city that grew as it needed to, generation after generation. And just kind of like, oh, wow, we got more people. We got to put them somewhere. Okay, we'll keep going that way. Oh, more people over here. Okay, we'll keep going that way. And it just it's expanded in that sense. A lot of... San Antonio, it it grew northward, and the ongoing joke is that one of these days San Antonio is going to grow so much north is that it's going to swallow Austin, <laughs> and Austin will be a suburb, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, we'll see about that one. There's still a little more space between Austin and, and San Antonio right now, and I'm sure you've noticed that how how when I, I speak of my hometown, when I say San Antonio, I don't always call it San Antonio. I, I call it San Anto because that's typically how we refer to our city from the west side as a Mexican-American San Anto is kind of like the, the pet name for our home. You know, it's you've got San Antonio, which is the, the, the big city, it's that's the it's the boundary location on the map, but San Anto, that's the heart of home. That's that's where I come from. That's the Corazon del Comunidad, you know, that's that's where I come from right there. San Anto. And I guess outside of the city, as I traveled across the country, you know, people, we exchange, we talk, and people ask, oh, so where are you coming from, you know, or where are you visiting from? And often I'll just say San Antonio, because people will understand that. They'll get that on, because of the, the sports and because of history and because of... of um, you know, military bases and such, they, they get that, they get that, San Antonio is a very common thing, that's why that's the 
geographical name. But um, they'll come back to me and say, oh, San Antonio. And I'm like, no, it's San Antonio. That is the name of the city. And uh, that San Antonio, not to be, I guess, confused with the Chicano culture, where we call it San Antonio. San Antonio is the white settler interpretation that you've heard in country songs, western songs, and what have you. That's what white America would know as San Antonio. And they can keep it. <laughs> it's, it's all theirs. San Antonio is, is their pet name for the town. You will more than likely never find a brown person and, and I also include black and, and Asian Pacific Islander community. You very seldom find them use the term San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, we're not very proud of that. And when it comes to the, the white community in, in San Antonio, they, they are smaller than, than the Mexican community. That is the predominant culture and, and it does show, you know, lots of, of city streets are in Spanish or Spanish names or Mexican words. A lot of signage and restaurants and businesses, uh, they have a lot of their signage and, and menus and, and literature and information in Spanish. That's just such a common thing. Um, just about anywhere you go in San Antonio, you'll be able to, to speak Spanish comfortably, openly. Yeah. You could go, um, of course, to the west side, to San Antonio, and you're immersed in what would feel like a Mexican community. You know, it looks, it feels, it, 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 it smells, it, it acts, it lives like it's Mexico there. And then you go, you know, you leave that neighborhood and you go to the south side. And it's a mixture of Mexican community and you have white people and you have, you know, black community and Asian Pacific Islander. You have this big mix on the south side of all different backgrounds and then you go to the east side of San Anto and I still call it San Anto because you go to the east side and that's where our brothers and sisters are that's the black community and you cross the street you you know it you can feel it it it's a different vibe a different energy and they have an amazing community. It's a beautiful community. The restaurants, the music, the shops, just driving up and down the street and seeing the, the 
community just interact and engage. They've got so much over there. It's it's amazing. They have the um, George Gervin Community Center, which is started as a community center, but now it's a it's an academy for kids. It's a school, almost like a private school, um, just specifically for the kids in the area. And they've got some great STEM programs, just some awesome things happening there. And uh, you know, and then you go to the north side of town, and that's been historically that's been the white side of town or the rich side of town. Yeah, that's where you've got all the the big high dollar shopping. That's where, yeah, that's where the the white people live. So San Antonio has always been segregated in this manner. The South Side has not just been just a mixture of everybody, but it's been the gathering point of poverty. And the South Side of San Antonio, that is where the impoverished live. And there are fewer resources on the south side. They don't have a library. They don't have as much of a community center. Their public transportation on the south side, it doesn't run as often as it does on the north side. There is a lot of inequity amongst the city that, I mean, historically it's it's been like that for a long time. I go back to the art district, which we call Southtown. In the art district, we, like I mentioned, it's it's that bridge between the south side and downtown. It's originally that neighborhood and in that that area was called the Little Village or La Vita. Still called La Vita today. But it's it's more like little boutique shops and little little places like that. A couple of restaurants, ice cream shops. It's a a visitor space, a tourist space now. And there's a little church, a tiny little church there. But La Villita is where I guess you could say the the segregation really began. It was back in the 1930s when the, the river walk was being built that, um, let's see, back when the river walk was being built, the workers from the Works Progress Administration, they, uh, they congregated in this little area off the bank, and that's where they decided to set up their little headquarters. That's where they stocked their materials. That's where they um, had an area for lunch to eat. And then they started to build housing for the workers to have a place to live. And that became La Villita. And as the city was was growing, as, as the popularity of being downtown was increasing, um, 
more and more workers came to try and keep up with the demand and they um, well they they lived in La Vita in little houses and the, the the people that were from the north side coming into downtown they didn't like that they didn't like that you could see the laborers and where they lived and how they lived they didn't like it at all they thought it was dirty they thought it was something that should should be gone well the people that were building the the river walk paving and putting stones and making the, the structures and the artwork and building the bridges they're like well we can't really leave we have to finish our project so and the agreement came that while they're building the river walk they would build a wall around La Vigita to cover themselves so that they wouldn't be seen so that was the whole concept of putting up a wall and closing them so that wouldn't have to see the, the laborers and many of them they just continued to move south they moved on the other side of that wall and they kept expanding south and as they all left La Villita eventually it was taken over by the city of San Antonio and the city um, made it into like a little park like a little community area and um, it's no longer, there's no longer any traces of it being habitable, but but there are some little casitas still left. I mean, just a few. So they've been renovated and turned into nice little candle shops and things. But, but yeah, that's where the south side of San Antonio began. It began from La Vita, and that's where the, the laborers resided. And they moved south, and the people that were that were black, they just went east. They figured, okay, well, you've got your neighborhood. I want to. They just they just went east. They congregated because what they did was they just they they collected together as a community, and they seeked out like cultural communities. And that's how the neighborhoods began. Yeah. Not because of segregation as we know it, where it's a division that's defined saying, you will be here and I will be there. That is your side, this is my side, and I put a fence there. No, it's just like cultural communities. They congregated and they, they just went in their own direction. Yeah. So that's... A little history there of where I come from and what I'm used to and what has prepared me for the challenges that I have here in the Pacific Northwest of which I've had several challenges and they're not entirely art related they are social and cultural challenges as well of being a brown person in the Pacific Northwest especially on in the conservative side of the of the state. Yeah, being in, in San Antonio, it was even though Mexicans are the greater higher number 
per capita, there's still that, I guess you could say, that, that mindset of, of having to do what the white community says. And that is where communities don't really, I guess they don't believe, they don't realize that that in itself, that is that white supremacy. That is that white dominance that people don't realize is there. It is there, but you just, you don't see it all the time. And sometimes when you grow up with it, it's, it's not that prominent. But when you take a step back, and, and regardless of where you're from and who you are, when you take a step back, you see it. It becomes very apparent. And, and that goes not just for people of color, but for white people as well. And coming up here to the Pacific Northwest, I've met some white people that they see it. They're ashamed of it. And they want to see change. They want to see equity. Yeah. And they can connect with the challenges that people of color have. So it's there. There is support. There is there is this brotherhood, this sisterhood. And it's it's an interesting dynamic in San Antonio because the majority of the money, even the old money, is is white. Yeah, historically that's what it is because when the settlers came to the San Antonio area, they were already wealthy landowners. They were already wealthy oil people. But they just brought their money with them as they moved west. And that whole concept of westward expansion so yeah that's kind of what happened and a lot of the the Mexican families that had money and had land a lot of that space was taken away from them yeah by by the white population that came in it's interesting Texas history is something else yeah and that's that's something we'll get into we'll get into the history of the Spokane area and how it's not that uh, dissimilar from from many other places but um, yeah just a brief a brief talk on the podcast something to share with you to keep growing keep learning keep uh, keep sharing with you and um, I appreciate you you folks listening in on my thoughts and kind of what I'm seeing what I'm experiencing and there's a feature on on Anchor, which is the, the the vessel of which I'm using for my podcast. I'd like to, to let you know there's a way, a feature to record a video. I'm sorry, record an audio message. Send it to me. And I'd love to, to get some feedback from you. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what I'm talking about here. And perhaps create a dialogue. Perhaps even create an opportunity where um, some people can come out and um, we can record together and we can have a conversation and share share your experiences. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure they're not 
all that different from mine. And, and if they are different, you know, I'd like to learn how. I'd like to learn what what we can do to, to close that, that gap between our communities and our culture. And yeah, that would be great to, to learn from you and have people be a part of this project other than just as a listener. I'd love for you to be a part of this project as, as a speaker as well. So yeah, use that message feature. That's pretty good. You can find it on um, the social media. You can find it on Facebook, Instagram, at ltnxartes, arroba ltnxartes. And you can find it on the website at ltnxartes.com, as well as my personal website, miguelgonzalez.com. So yeah, connect with me and let's get some of this conversation going so I don't have to be todo solito <laughs> okay pues bueno <laughs>